Good morning, and welcome to Sunday Story Hour, where we share real-life stories of how human design has helped people to tell a better, richer story of who they are. And today, my guest is Gwen White, who I am really excited to introduce you to. Gwen is... Uh-oh, I'm in the wrong view. I wanted this to be... I'm not sure how it's streaming. There we go. Um, I met Gwen through the human design circles. We, I think we first met in one of Karen Curry Parker's communities, and then we saw each other on a call together in Katie Irvine's, one of her classes she was offering. And that just seems to be how human design stuff works. Once you go deep dive, you wind up seeing people and they something about them calls out to you, right? So we've connected a few times. And um, anyway, so this is Gwen, and I'm going to let her tell you all about herself. And I'm going to pin this to the group so that you guys can find this later. So while we're doing that. So welcome, Gwen. Would you like to tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days and how human design has helped you? Absolutely. First of all, thank you so, so much, Kathy, for inviting me to join you today. I am so excited and honored to be here chatting with you. Um, Who am I? (laughs) (laughs) So these days I am working with introverts primarily. Um, You know, I've gone through my share of niches. But right now, I'm really championing, championing, championing introverted leaders in sort of high stakes industries. That's sort of the um, sort of the world that I came from as an introvert myself. And I'm using, of course, my human design as well as some coaching training to really dive deeply into um, the challenges and. Uh, helping um, bring out the true authentic leader in the introverts that I'm working with. As well, I'm also um, working in many collaborations, uh, and many, I mean several, um, so kind of across the spectrum, many of them related to human design, um, some related to coaching, And then the newest uh, collaboration having to do with artificial intelligence. So bringing AI into the conversation of coaching and coaching through the lens of human design for me personally. Yeah, you're kind of wearing a lot of hats. I am, but (laughs) yeah, um, those are all passions of mine and they're all strong commitments. Um, My sacral really loves, you know, each and every one of those things. And I can't wait, you know, to essentially figure out how to integrate them all. And that's really been my process over the past several years is, is taking all of the passions, all of the, the things that I truly do love and respond to and integrating them. Um, yeah. I come from a kind of an entrepreneurial sales background as far as career is concerned. And so it's just sort of a natural for me to be kind of carving this very unique and weird path. I 
Let's back up a little on your path and start with um, where you were, what you were doing when you found human design, how you found it, and then kind of, you know, how it has shaped this path now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my entire life, entire life, I have always been, um, you know, true to my generator nature, really focused on who am I? I'm sorry. I'm, that reminds me, I did not tell everyone. Um, t- and so can you tell everyone your type and authority? You're a four, six, four, six yeah. um, generator with emotional authority. Emotional authority, right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. There we go. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt, but everyone's like, always tells me you need to tell us this at the beginning. So <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Quite all right, Kathy. Um, so yeah, going back to, yeah, um, the idea of kind of self-illumination being a real common thread throughout my life. I've always been the one taking the personality assessments, um, you know, from very early. I think I took my first MBTI assessment before I was 12. So, um, and knew, you know, immediately that, you know, I was an introvert. So for those who don't know the lingo, that's the Myers Myers Briggs, exactly. Yeah, the Jung based, Young Carl Jungian based, um, probably the best known kind of personality typing a s- system that um, a lot of people have their four letters, uh, mine are INTJ, and um, I, you know, progressed from there. Gallup's Strength Finders. When I was deep in my career, there were several of those types that were more kind of career focused. Um, and then, more recently, Enneagram. I kind of came about Enneagram sort of before I came to Human Design, and seriously could never figure out what numbers I was. I took multiple. Multiple assessments and yeah, um, they they were all over the place. So Enneagram was kind of hard for me to connect with in that way. And I know so many great coaches and guides out there that use Enneagram and love it and swear by it. And I think there's true value in it. But for me, it wasn't the tool. Mm-hmm. You know, what was the tool was definitely human design. And let's see, in 2019... I was truly struggling. I had kind of come to the end of a multi-year, very successful career, but I had really efforted my way through and neglected my emotional self, my spiritual self, um, you know, sort of paid some attention to them mentally speaking, like, you know, I felt I was or thought I was leading some kind of spiritual existence, but it really wasn't. It was all head-led um, living. And I would go through cycles of, you know, bursts of energy with long periods, longer and longer periods of burnout and just exhaustion. And I finally reached kind of the end of that um, ability to continue with that cycling. And um, probably mid to late 2019, I recognized that it was time for me to stop what I was doing. Um, I was literally on a phone call with my sales director. Um, We were doing kind of a, you know, 
a 90 day touch in call and I found the words coming out of my mouth. I can't do this job. I don't believe in what I'm doing anymore. And he was like, what? (laughs) Um, Because my performance was still very good. But, you know, sitting in my desk, looking at, you know, my work from my perspective, I felt like I was stuck in concrete. And um, yeah, that was pretty much, you know, sabbatical slash retirement, whatever you want to call it. I left my job at that point and knew that I was not going to be seeking another job, which for a line four individual is panic city in particular one who is conditioned to do, do, do. I mean, I have completely open head, completely open root. So my life has been an exercise in pressure cooking. Um, I am constantly rushing And that's how I lived, you know, always under the gun, always doing the thing immediately just to get it done so that I wouldn't live under the pressure of having the thing there. Possible. The pressure is still there. Exactly. Of course. No, it was always just the next thing that was giving me pressure. And then the next thing, um, which I constantly signed myself up for. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's an addictive pattern. So it was... This was around like, the late 2019, I was really um, struggling and in I found this really amazing group of mostly women. And it was an online group. Um, we hadn't really gotten into, you know, the throes of COVID at that point. But um, I was working from home at that point, working from home. Uh, living from home (laughs) and really isolated um, in my world at that point. And through the course of navigating this community, um, I discovered human design. Everyone was introducing themselves, you know, as part of their bios with things like, I'm a 5-1 emotional projector. I'm a, I was like, what are they talking about? I'm a two, four manifester. And I was completely clueless as to what those terms mean, meant. So a quick Google search turned up human design and it was like, you know, the lightning bolts, um, you know, immediately I knew that this was a system that I had to learn about needed to know there was just something um, that was screaming at me. You need to learn this. And within days, I was in my first, um, it was like a weekend long uh, workshop for introduction to human design. And the couple, they lived, I think they lived in Bali. It was a really cool um, couple and they were offering it through Facebook. And um, we, connected through WhatsApp. And I had such a great experience with that and recognized that I wanted to continue learning. Soon after that, signed up for a Living Your Design course through um, Human Design America. Um, And then just kind of went from there. I was literally consuming every bit of human design content I could get my hands on, my eyes on, my keyboard on. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And then I wound up finding, seeing, meeting you in Karen's community. And then I saw you in Katie's stuff. Yeah. So we've been kind of really Absolutely. down yeah, the different rabbit holes on this whole thing. Exactly. And, yeah. And found Gene Keys very shortly after I started my, um, my human design journey as well. And that's also been, you know, a layer of my human design study. I love Richard. I actually worked for the Gene Keys organization for a period helping them with their events. It was a blast. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's yeah. very I work with a lot of human design people. So I've, yeah, worked with them. I work currently with Shatan and Carola of Evolutionary Human Design. Oh, yeah. With Beth Davis. Oh, okay. Your Purpose. Yeah. I'm helping yeah. out a lot of people. Wow. That's, um, that's really cool. So it is really cool. That is, um, I have so many things I want to ask you. So I'm wondering if there's, since I can't, I'm not sure where to go first, if there's something more you just want to flow with. Otherwise, I can just fire off some random questions. Go for it. Ask. Ask away. So um, <laughs> when you found this, you're, you know, when you started, you know, you looked at your chart the first time and you read, oh, you're, I'm a four, six emotional generator with blah, 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 yeah. whatever. <laughs> what was your biggest, oh yeah, that explains it. Like, what was the thing that you remember your first like reframe of something that you now understood? Yeah. That is a really great question. Um, you know, the types and when I first started, I went, I was going very strictly traditional human design. Like that was most of what I could find. And right. so four types, um, you know, the manifesting generator was essentially considered just a subtype in that um, particular school. And um, so, it, but it was really interesting just looking at how traditional human design broke down the types um, and how they had there was like this really cool chart I remember that had the main question the you know the um the signatures um you know the self and not self all of those things and I think for me it really came down to this idea that I was not supposed to be initiating, you know, that only, there are only really, you know, eight to 10% of the population that are designed to operate that way. And that I think was like, oh, wow, like, holy cow. So, I mean, I lived my life initiating, you know, for the most part. And did very little responding. And, um, and of course, as an emotional person as well, emotional authority, uh, my decision-making was completely misaligned. So that I think might not have been such an aha as more of a, holy cow, like how am I ever going to figure out how? And of course, there again, it was like my first probably two years of my experience, experiment with human design were still all up in my head. It was all trying to figure out how to, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And it was like, as soon as I recognized my, you know, 
open head and undefined Ajna still were trying to answer all the questions, still trying to figure it out. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm still, (laughs) you know, it's like, this is such a conditioned pattern that I have. So now I recognize the words, when I hear the words figure out coming out of my mouth, it's like, red flag. Yeah, like, okay, that's a sign that I'm, you know, you know, relying on this condition pattern, I don't resist it, um, you know, which is what the tendency had been as well when I recognized a shadow or, um, you know, some old pattern rearing its head would be to like try and, oh, repress it, repress it. Fix um, it. Exactly. Like, oh, you know, I've got to stop doing that, stop doing that. Um, and another, you know, part of my journey, particularly with regards to coaching has been, you know, like your shadows. And of course, Richard Rudd talks about this constantly that, you know, the way we really do reach the, you know, the ultimate highest vibration expression is through the shadow. It's not, you know, denying the shadow, it's embracing it and really like unpacking it and loving it. And, you know, so it's that has been a major, you know, point of shift for me because, you know, my my life also, um, in many ways, I lived with a mask on and like hiding every flaw I could possibly hide was, you know, a tops on my agenda. I'm a total hyperachiever, classic kind of type A. And, you know, if it didn't look perfect, if it didn't, you know, look right, boy, you know, I was stuffing it in the closet. Like, you can't see that. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to acknowledge it. Yeah. And so... Which makes it worse. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So there's so many ways I... So as an introvert, type A, with, what is it you said? You have the, you have the gate 14 is considered the most um, powerful gate in the chart, right? By most standards, the gate of power skills. Power skills, right? Five five times? Exactly. Five times. Yeah. Yeah. And in my incarnation cross as well. Right. It's my (laughs) conscious son, so I have it, but... um, I have it on an unconscious open, earth, but yes, exactly. I have it on an open sacred. So it's, it's like grabbing everything and amplifying. Yeah. But <clears throat> I can't even imagine having that five times. And then you have the two. You do have the gate. Yes, that exactly. I've got the whole yeah channel. You have that twice, don't you? Or I'm not looking right now, but I thought I remembered seeing you have the. No, two. it's because I've got fourteen so many times. Oh, okay. I don't know yeah. why. No, you have the two. You have the two as your unconscious um, yeah. Mercury and your unconscious. Um, pattern. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you still have three leftover 14s without the two. Exactly. I, it made me start to contemplate this. Like, how does that work when you have a gate multiple times that is part of a channel, but you only have the other end one time? Is it still, and this is a question I'm just throwing out to you or the universe. You might know uh, an here, but like, are you still needing because you know the gate two is all about re- receiving right oh my god exactly you know, which i've never been power. a receiver 
Right. You have still more power skills than you have the receiving end. So being able to trust that you're supported and receiving. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's interesting for me. But you also have to look at this, Kathy. It's Mm -hmm. by design that I'm that way. So yeah, absolutely. It's my job to, you know, use the power skills to rely on those, but also to recognize, particularly with gate two, because yeah, it's, unconscious expression is clearly going to be more challenging to access. And so, you know, if we listen to the teachings of most all of our teachers, our great teachers, our thought leaders in human design is, you know, leaning into the unconscious energies will unlock so much, so many gifts, because again, we're so familiar with the conscious side, the black stuff is the easy stuff. Now, again, when you're getting into human design, by all means, lean into the black energies, the conscious energies, your personality, recognizing the highest vibration expressions of, of those, you know, where possible and like shooting for that. Um, but yeah, unpacking the unconscious side is like, and I think so many times, in the work that I've done myself and in the work that I do with my clients, it is so apparent to me that they know those energies are there. And those are the ones they're scaredest of. Those are the ones they run from and not in the same way. Those are the ones I resist the most. Um, I worked with a client who came to me for conflict coaching. Guess what was sitting in her Saturn, her unconscious Saturn? It was gate six. It was like, hello, you're, of course you are looking for this. And guess what you're designed to be? You're designed to be a conflict resolution, like superhero. Right. For those, but it's the lesson you have to learn. There's a lot of people who list, who are, will be listening to this, who are very new. And so as we mentioned gates, I think it's important to gate six is often known as, as the gate of conflict Conflict or conflict or friction. Right. Or gate of friction. And so, but it is part of the channel of intimacy. Exactly. Yeah. So you it, have to have it for relationships to work, period. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's it's a human characteristic. We have all the chart. Everyone needs to really remember that even if it's not defined in your chart, it's still there for you. It just means you're here to learn to experience the full... Yeah. Absolutely. Full spectrum of all of the nuances of that particular gate or channel or whatever right. is open. Yes. There's going to be some very different expression for, for you from, yeah, maybe moment to moment, day to day. Yeah. Over the course of your life. So I do want to say um, we have a few people watching and Leslie um, said powerful message about celebrating what's in the shadows because that is divinely, per- is it divinely perfect too? Absolutely. It is divinely perfect too. Yeah. And I think that's um, really an important part because we tend to get stuck sometimes thinking, oh, I'm this way because of this. Yeah. Which we might be that way because of this. You know, like I might be feeling bitter because I'm a projector. Sure. Yeah. But the gift in that bitterness, right? It's to, it's exactly it's protecting yeah. Yeah, staying out of the story, leave out because, leave out because, like, that is your mind. Anytime you have a because, especially if it's followed by a feeling, that is a story and 
may or may not be true, nine times out of 10, doesn't matter. Yeah. Just acknowledge the feeling, recognize and acknowledge that it's there and it's there for a reason. I love the Erin Robin Wynn um, gave us last week. It's in a lot of her books too, where she calls it the witnessing observer. Yes. Which is similar to Raw talks about passenger consciousness. Or, yep. But this idea that you don't beat yourself up for the shadow when you see it, you notice it and you just observe it and hold it with love, right? We're here to love ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. Shadow. All parts. Right. All parts. All parts and all expressions of all parts. So if we, you know, if we are true followers of human design, we recognize that there is at least a shadow and a high vibration expression. Um, of course, you know, in my book, I tend to be more spectrum oriented. It's like it can express any number of ways, but yeah. So tell me how you wound up. Um, so you, you started learning about human design, going deep, learning all this stuff, and you were, are you already at this point coaching or did that come after you started learning? That came after. Um, I was learning human design. I was like diving as deeply as I could. I was just, uh, just immersing myself in human design, um, as much as I could every moment of every day. And I was getting to the place where I was like, what do I, what do I want to do with it? I'm such a, I'm such a practical application. I don't have a lot of fifth line energy in my chart, but it's funny. I'm always about how to apply things. I always want to know, like, how can this be applied? How can this be used? Um, and so that was a real big question mark. I wasn't totally sure I wanted to just read charts, you know. I loved doing readings and I did a lot of readings, but I always recognized like, okay, now what? You know, where do we go from here? Um, I always wanted the journey to continue because I knew there was so much yet to unpack. Mm -hmm. And so an email from I don't know where and I don't know how popped into my box inviting me to this like a three-day event. It was something I never in a million years would have even looked at, considered going to, but for whatever reason, I opened the email and I recognized one name of one speaker. They were doing this three-day event with all of these different presenters. Um, one of them, and I was like, oh, yeah, back when I was a blogger, I remember this person as being, you know, somebody who was like really brilliant, particularly with marketing, I'm going to, you know, dip in on this event. It was a live three-day, well, lo and behold, it was all about coaching. It was essentially coach after coach after coach. Um, they all had different specialties. And by the end of the three days, I was, I mean, my emotional authority and my sacral alignment were like, you know, they were just so locked in. It was, you know, it's like, this is what you're supposed to be doing with your human design. So yeah, that was, that was like, okay, sign me up, please. How did you wind up finding your, I don't know if niche is the right word, but it's really, it feels like you've really found your sweet spot. With Finally. The- yeah. No, it's, 
Yeah, but it's I mean, it's been a long time coming, though, Kathy. And, and I think a lot of coaches do struggle with this. And it's really interesting you talk about this. Before you go into it, I just have to say it's perfect timing because the whole time you talked about before when you quit your job was right around your Chiron return. So yeah. you were coming off the roof as a six line. And this is when we shine, right? When we come off the roof, there's a little bit of figuring out how much of that stuff on the roof we want to keep with us and what's really us. And then we step into our sweet spot as the role models we're here to be. And so you're right on time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but at the same time, of course, as someone who, you know, has lived the life I've lived, I want to know now. I need the clarity. And it's like, you're never going to have, you know, you, I still, you know, have to remind myself, hey, honey, it's okay. You're here to live in uncertainty and that's fine. It's okay. You're, you're, you know, this is a marathon. You're not trying to win a race. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I did kind of come about my niche um, over time. Um, I immediately thought, oh, I want to be an alignment coach. And of course, um, it was like, what is that? <laughs> that was the biggest question was, what does that even mean? So then I recognized, okay, I really need to drill down on this and um, get more specific niche down. And it's, you know, really funny that you talk about niching as, you know, something that sometimes challenges many coaches deeply. And I think broadly, I have noticed that being the case. What's really interesting, I, have been following another human design person, um, Phoebe Kuhn, who she's Australian. Um, she, ha she has a really interesting, um, profile. She's a three, six. Um, she's just a really interesting, you know, kind of guide in how she sees human design. And she is also very entrepreneurial. And yeah, so I think she has a book, a free book that she promotes. Yeah, exactly. So business yeah, when she first things. released the book, I got her book. I was like obsessed. I have always had this sort of business bent. I love business. Um, and so her language, you know, she really was speaking my language in so many ways. And she talked about niching in a very special way. She, you know, came up with sort of this idea and I was like, Oh, I really like this. Um, so what I've done since then is I've sort of developed it into a process. I've sort of built upon her idea and made it into um, and essentially quantum niche design. So I've been able to now work with several people using quantum niche design and am getting huge, huge, like tremendous feedback. So that's been one of the gifts I think that human design has given me related to niche. Um, and now this podcast, tell me again what yeah. it's called. Um, I listened to the one you just released. I think it was yesterday or the day before. It was very short about quiet leadership or quiet. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm beautiful. Um, yeah, I have two podcasts. One I co-host with Sean Paul Cox called Create a Life You Love. Um, and then I just recently started my own micro podcast, which has been a dream of mine for a long time called Quietly Influential, 
leadership lessons for introverts. So yeah, I've recorded five episodes when they're all under 10 minutes long. It's easy to, you know, turn those out. And I am having such a blast doing this podcast. And it's already, you know, getting a little bit of attention from the people that I'm really looking to connect with. So yeah, I'm getting great feedback from introverts who are resonating with its message. Yeah. And yeah, I do talk a lot about human design as well as, yeah, a lot of other tools, but certainly when we're done, if you would put links to those podcasts or names in the, in the um, comments here, definitely really helpful. I'm sure there'd be a lot of people who are interested. So we're already getting some comments here and I don't want to get too far behind or we'll forget what they're saying. (laughs) Dana Oliver Cash says, anytime there's a because, I'll pay attention to that. So she liked that tip. And then she also says, I agree, great lens to realign to our joy. And then Lynn says, exactly. So have the explanation of chart, then what, right? How to apply it to life. I think she's talking about you. Oh, exactly. Like now what? Yeah. yeah. So um, so you started um, working with people. So most of your clients now are introverts is what you're finding, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I tend to, you know, speak about introversion. Um, I actually connected like very early on when I recognized that this was, you know, the community that I wanted to serve and like, duh, I'm, you know, such an introvert. I'm so nerdy. And, um, you know, I connected the dots within human design. I started seeing how, you know, in my own chart and others I know who are introverts or at least who identify as introverts started looking at charts and then started looking at just generally human design aspects that could, you know, point to, um, you know, introversion. Obviously there again, introvert extrovert is a spectrum and mm-hmm. some people, you know, like <laughs> they, they identify as, uh, you know, I'm an extrovert when I go out into the world, but, you know, at home, uh, you know, I really lean into being an introvert. And so I feel like that is also something with a lot of the introverts that I connect with is a very common theme is essentially masking up or recognizing that you almost have to kind of feel like you have to change the way you operate to be safe, secure, okay, whatever out in the world. It's like you have to put on your extroverted hat in some form or fashion. Unless Lisa Payne says, I'm an outgoing introvert. Exactly. I don't know if you've ever heard Lisa Payne's podcast. Lisa, I forget the name of your podcast, but it always cracks me up when I hear your introduction to it. She's definitely not shy. (laughs) So, um, but but yeah, exactly. Um, I think there's also a misconception about all introverts being shy. That is absolutely untrue. So yeah, there's, that's another thing that, you know, I like to address and will be addressing on the the podcast. Let's talk about, you said something about the things that can point to introversion on the chart. And I do think that it's really important whenever we talk about anything that there are no absolutes with how the chart ever expresses, right? Chart. I just want to make sure the chart never says you're going to be this person or like when people say, what should I, what kind of career 
should I have? Yeah, well, it can give you some general like qualities that you right. might be best, but there's no absolutes in the exactly because we have like, free- anyone could be a teacher. Anyone, <laughs> you know, again, yeah, even exactly. though, you know, if somebody has a five one, you think, oh, well, they certainly have a propensity for, you know, teaching people things. Right. Yeah. Right. But yes, That's- agreed. So what would be the things that you look at usually in the, as things in the chart where some of yeah. that introversion shows up? Yeah. Well, I mean, we can start with the sort of broad, broadest puzzle piece, and that's typing type. So if we think about the types, you know, I, I think of a manifester as a classic, you know, frankly, introvert. Um, they have moments, of course, where... They can slip into ambiversion or extroversion, um, just like anyone can. But when you look at how they are really designed to be, i.e., with the energy of their aura being the way it's designed to be, it's meant to really kind of carve a path mm-hmm. and really be, you know, brave, courageous, push right through to, you know, the exclusion of what others think, feel, et cetera. And that that's very important for their mission here. You know, we need those people. Um, so, you know, this idea that everybody needs to get along maybe BS. Um, but yeah, so when we think about um, manifestors, you know, if I look at someone's chart, they've come to me, they've, they identify as an introvert in their manifestor, I think, okay, yeah, you know, let's certainly talk about you know, their strategy and how they're living that out. But I would think, yeah, that makes sense, um, at least on the surface. Um, you know, you could also sort of say the same for projectors, but really, I would say less so. Reflectors certainly need, you know, more alone time, you know, if they're going to operate in a more aligned fashion. So. By design, they're almost designed to live more like an introvert, um, whether they actually are or not, you know, is, again, it's, you know, individual by individual. Um, But then we can look at, you know, we can look at profiles, particularly profile lines, you know, the first line, hello, you know, um, it's going to require, you know, someone to really dive deeply into information and research and embodiment and really kind of have their own mind, their own path, their own time Mm -hmm. to experience whatever it is they're here to experience. So we look at the first line specifically, and then you also look at the second line. Um, You know, again, it's called the hermit, for goodness sakes, in traditional human design. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I know a lot of people push back against that. Um, because again, we have lots of two fours out there, um, Oprah Winfrey being one of them. And again, they tend to be, you know, this sort of mix of needing to connect, but also needing a lot of time to introspect as well. So there's a real balance in human design. You know, you could look at any five one as a potential introvert. Yeah. I mean, you've got projection field and investigator, like, holy cow, you know, this is someone who might live a really isolated sort of existence. Even if they're immersed in people, they're still going to feel 
you know, the projection energy and feel like they either have to separate from it or then there are those who buy into it. And that leads to, that can lead to a lot of problems, frankly. So yeah, um, all of the five ones I know who live a very aligned life, generally speaking, are very private or have a very private side that they know they need to protect. Um, And also, you know, to kind of keep that reality check. Yeah, my husband's a 5-1 manifesting generator, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But he's very, like, no posting pictures of me without asking me. Yeah, absolutely. My husband's a 5-1, and he's very much the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, But he's not even on social media, so I don't know why he cares. <laughs> um, you know, but okay. it's funny because, you know, there all of these things are, like you say, there's a... a they're a binary, right? So they have right. two ways they can express. So I'm I am a, a six two projector, mm-hmm. and you know when you were talking about the Myers Briggs, I never paid it any attention because every time I did it, it came out different. different. But the only yeah. letter that was always the same is I was always an extrovert every single time. Interesting. Yeah, that's fine. All the other ones would go Change. different ways. Yeah. But now I wonder if I even took it now, how I would come out because... Exactly. Um, but I do, when I am in group settings, tend to be the person who naturally starts guiding and taking charge and doing all that stuff in a projector way. <laughs> it's in, in a very extroverted way. But I love my alone time and I'm like... Like sometimes mean about the fact that I don't want my husband, like I will listen and be like, okay, he left for the gym. Now I can leave my, the room and go downstairs. Cause I don't want to talk to anybody, right. you know, I'm still in my alone time. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's, yeah. You That's know. a four, six, you know, I think a lot of people also have a misconception about the line four that they're always networky, talky in the mix. It's like, not really, you know, there's, First and foremost, they like to more curate the group oftentimes. And particularly with a four six, they're generally speaking, oftentimes going to be kind of on the outskirts of the group, m- more observing. Um, they may even bring the group together, but they're still sort of on the fringe, outside yes. looking in. That sixth line is still very much going, you know, that sort of overseeing vibe. I have really noticed that with the four sixes that I know. And when I was first learning about types and I just automatically, like from what I read and just how I put it together, thought these are going to be the people who like guide all the groups and like, you know, just the social butterflies. Right. Right. And, you know, that has not been my experience with the four sixes that I know. They exactly. Exactly. It really, you know, when you think about social butterfly, I think it's much more nuanced. We probably, yeah, at that point need to look at the individual, their conditioning patterns, and also their gates and planetary placements, because again, that may, you know, lead to more of that expression. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I totally agree. So I'd like to touch a little bit on, um, you were talking about your passion for AI because AI right now in the human design community is kind of a mixed bag and there's a lot of people out there embracing it and doing really cool things with it. Some stuff I really find it helpful with, but there's also some people using it as a shortcut that is kind of undermining 
um, the quality of information that's out there. And I'm just wondering absolutely what, what you're doing yeah. and what every what time. It, sorry, yeah, um, it's a really interesting point, and every discussion I have around artificial intelligence, and particularly right now, it's still new and it's you know it burst onto the scene and it's grown so massively so quickly there's naturally going to be you know ethical considerations and discussions you know right now we don't have you know any kind of really you know systematic approach to using ai everyone's doing their own thing with it now in the community that you know i helped co-found and um and now you know am sort of the four six curator um community sort of manager if you will yeah we definitely every time we have an event in that group we always address the usage you know making sure that if you are using ai to produce long form written content particularly that you know you you share that, you know, you're transparent, you know, created, you know, with the help of or in collaboration with artificial intelligence, however you want to say it. Um, but another thing that we always stress is, you know, if you are creating content with AI, making sure that it's accurate, you know, because what we do know about the chatbots in particular, is that they do what's called hallucinating. They'll make up something, and they aren't going to tell you. They've got gate four, I think, defined. <laughs> right? They're here. They, you're right. They're here to answer <laughs> questions. Um, and frankly, you know, having a chatbot when you have an undefined head and ajna like I do, I, it is such a blessing. And you know, again, most of us do. It's just again by design that we are not here to be um, turning out content that's not, you know, that is not the design of most of humanity. So now here we are faced with all of the social media trying to cut through um, the ocean wave of, you know, content that's out there with our own message. And that's how AI can help. Uh, It can help you really refine your message. It can be such a great collaborator, a great brainstorming partner, an assistant, um, whether it be a marketing assistant or a social media assistant or, you know, a product launch assistant. It can help you through a lot of those conversations because it is very smart in those ways. It has collected all of that information and can access it lightning quick where we just can't. Mm-hmm. Um, humans, you know, our brains have these amazing strengths and abilities where, you know, the AI chatbot, the AI engine, it's been trained to do certain things really, really well. You know, we're seeing it excel at taking exams, you know, crazy, you know, and being able to help medical professionals and legal professionals, et cetera. Um, you know, it can do research like, you know, like nothing we've seen before. And that's how it can be beneficial for each and every one of us. But yeah, it's leaving your entire <laughs> content game plan up to AI, yeah, is a very slippery slope. And, um, you know, 
but everyone is going to use it as they feel fit for them. So I, you know, I try to leave judgment aside every time I have any conversation, um, even with AI, you know, it's not my place to tell you how to use AI or anyone else. Yeah. Um, I just know what my values are and hopefully I adhere, you know, to my values as I am moving forward on this journey. But I do know that when I need to, you know, tackle a project or I'm sitting down to do some research, I always, you know, tap into the benefits of AI. And there are so many brilliant AI tools out there as well. If you're writing or even need to just spur your own creativity and you're alone, you know, Mm -hmm. again, most of us, we're not here to just generate ideas and inspirations out of our head and act on them. That would be a misaligned path. So it can also provide something to respond to. Yeah. Okay. That's, that makes sense. Cause you know, if you're asking it questions and then it gives you something back, you can respond to whether that feels right to you in a way is not responding to your own mind. Yeah. And yeah, as you're conversing, if you're using a chatbot like ChatGPT or Jasper or Claude, those, you know, again, the conversations are two-way. It's not just one way. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. you can tell it (laughs) to refine its message. You can also tell it when it's wrong, Um, you know, and that's that's actually important uh, for the training of these chatbots. That's why we have free access for the most part. Guess what? All of that content is unoriginal. So that's another thing to be super careful of. If you're taking, copying and pasting something straight from ChatGPT and someone runs that through an AI detector, which th- those are widely available now, mm-hmm. it's, you know, everyone will know. So it's good to take those those things and then add your voice. Yeah. Rephrase, et right. cetera. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I think it's helpful sometimes to give you an outline that you then yes. build on Gosh. or give you, you know, some exactly. like feeling like I want to create something about this, but what is, what's, you know, oh, some bullet- the biggest chore of my life is I, I do a lot of presentations and I do not have the gift of, you know, this natural ability to create slide decks. Uh, My slide decks are a mess and I always create way too many slides and it's like, so that has been one thing that has been a real blessing. So I can go, hey, you know, I've got this presentation. Here's what it's all about. Can you help me just outline a slide deck? And it's like, it's like, thank you. I never would have done this in 10 slides, you know, so it's like, yes, okay, now I see how I can do this entire presentation with only 10 slides instead of 60, which is what I would have done. And it would have taken me two days to do just the slide deck. Yeah. See, I would make 60 <laughs> slide decks and then not talk about anything that's on the slides. Because right. <laughs> I've got the one eight, which is from your identity center. So I just kind of in the moment oh, just speak. Absolutely. And then it's like, okay, well, you know. You know, maybe I'll make a handout out of that. So I've stopped doing the, those kind of elaborate things. Yeah. Because I just see something pretty for people who need something to focus at and maybe yeah. something they can write on. Um, okay. So I'm looking at your chart. That's why I keep looking off to the side because I have it on a on a different screen over here. Yeah. And, um, so you are um, right angle cross of contagion. 
Yes. Right. Which um, I love that. And I'm trying, there's several people I know who have that um, cross and it's just feels so, I don't know, like, like I, it's like if you were just reading names, that would just be one where I'd be like, Ooh, that sounds like a fun cross to have. Right. Where it's like, you're here to just spread something that you're so excited about that it becomes contagious. Right. Right. Torchbearer. Right. Yeah. So, um, when you first, okay. Cause the way the crosses were explained to me was we're not supposed to try to become our cross. Right. We're supposed to use it as a, you know, like goal, we're supposed to just see how we resonate. And that's usually a sign of how aligned we are with following our strategy and authority. And as we do that more and more, we'll resonate more. Exactly. We just become. Right. And did you, so I'm curious when you first read that, it's a fun one to read, but did you say, oh, that sounds cool, but no, or did you resonate with it? Yeah, no, I definitely was like, what? Um, And of course it also depended on whose version of, you know, the written description of the cross. Yeah, that's um, a good point. With written of anything, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Again, that's, I think, one of the most wonderful things about human design. One, we talked about MBTI, you know, it can change. Human design doesn't change. Your design is your design. Yeah. I... The Myers-Briggs, you know, oh, okay, like you we're okay. saying, like well, all of these be... personality assessments, guess what? Your results can change. Yeah. And then the second thing is, yeah, what we were just hitting on, yeah, yeah is now yeah, the beauty of the system. Yeah. So it's funny for me, as I w- would read about the different gates, the one that resonated that I'd never, the, the two gates I never really could understand mm-hmm. were my two sun gates. Like they never really clicked for so long. Yeah. Gate- Teen, yes. data power skills. What does that mean? I've got what skills? What uh, you know? I, I don't know what these skills are. You're talking. I about. like calling it abundance, right? Oh, it's power skills, but it's also yeah, it's also all about this, yeah. And especially when you pair it with that, you know, that gate too, you know, in that channel, then it's like, oh, okay, now I see, now I get it. Yeah. But yes, sure. exactly. When you pick the chart apart. And just look at particularly one gate and it's supposed to be your brand or your personality or whatever, you know, and it's like, I'm going to have to reinterpret this for myself, I think. So when you saw that you have this gate 14, because I'm just thinking about how I didn't really get that one for a long Mm -hmm. time, but you found you had that one five times plus your incarnation cross. Yes. I mean, clearly that's something you're meant to pay attention to. So did you, did that like resonate? 14 resonated, but it's interesting. You talk about your conscious son, 30, you know, 29 and 30, my conscious son and earth. It took me a long time to really go. And I recognized that I had always been in the shadow expressions of them. So let's, um, Let's talk about those a little bit because I, I know quite a few people who have those two in some shape or form in their yeah. cross. Um, Barb, this is listen up because you have her, her 30 is um, her design son, my sister, and her um, 29 is her 
design earth. So she's oh, got right. yeah, my niece Michelle has the same cross as you, but I think she's flipped. Yeah, exactly. Kind of contagion has four, yeah. of course, four different yeah, iterations. Right. It's one of the yeah. right angles. So you have four. It comes around four times. Um so let's yeah, talk so 30 first. 30? Okay. Yeah. Yes. 30, you know, again, traditionally is looked at desires. Um and Gene Keys, it's um he takes it to this really beautiful magical place but at that at the same time and, and he sees the desire as the shadow richard does um so before you go further lynn's asking what does that mean shadow expression so maybe explain a little bit what yeah we so when we talk about a shadow expression we talk about the challenging version of that energy so let's say we have something like the gate 30 gate of desires again if you look at its placement it's in the solar plexus so it makes sense okay desires you know these this is it's sometimes referred to as sex drugs rock and roll right um, you know i think katie irvine one of our other teachers in common um definitely kind of leans into that description um it's one of those gates that you know, it's here for the experience. It's here because it wants to feel something. It desires. Mm -hmm. So a desire can be, you know, motivated by many things. You can have desires that kind of have maybe less than you know, if we think about integrity, <laughs> you know, desire can just rear its head and take you down, you know, a very dark path if you follow desires. Um, you know, if you follow every desire of your heart, your body, you know, you could, you know, you could live a very dangerous life. Yeah. Um, particularly if you think of sex, drugs, rock and roll. Yeah. Um, taking that to a shadow place, you know, a challenged, difficult, dark yeah. journey. Um, but there again, and you know, 30 is a part of the, you know, a part of the imprint of humanity. We're all here to experience desire. Yeah. It's the most passionate gate. In yes, yeah. exactly. The so of the yeah, this, fire it, it is called the gate of passions and quantum. Yeah. So yeah, when we think of that, expression you also have to look at your authority you know i always go okay well guess what i have emotional authority but i also have my generator sacral mm -hmm. and i always like me in particular my sacral center and my solar plexus are connected i have the whole channel the 596 so how i really connect into how I'm, you know, meant to operate, i.e. strategy. Um, a lot of people call it in human design versus authority, you know, it's all wrapped up with gate 30. So yeah. And with it being my earth gate, it's here to ground me. So I literally look at that gate as getting in touch with my desires is really key to my, you know, my grounded path. 
And another thing that I'm learning more and more, and something that Katie Irvine, our HD school um, guide, shares with us that I think is like, you know, she pulled from traditional human design is that, you know, you really, your conscious sun gate is your conscious sun gate. You have it, it's there, it's what it is. But if you can kind of lean into the expression and play around with the conscious earth gate, that's really how you sort of push up into your conscious sun expression. So where you are on the spectrum related to your conscious earth. So for me, that's 30. If I'm not really in touch with my desires, then I'm very likely out of whack with what I'm committing to. Right. Cause you're just my gate 29. My commitments are off. Right. Yeah. And then I, if I don't know my passions, I don't know what to commit to. Yeah. And my whole life I was operating you know, one of the shadow expressions of 29, gate 29, which is the gate of devotion in, um, you know, in Gene Keys, is half-heartedness. And that I always had kind of one foot out the door, no matter what I was doing, no matter, I mean, relationships, jobs, it, it was always like, well, I can always leave. I can always leave. Mm. And yeah. For someone with contagion, that is a real dangerous place to live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I could talk to you about all this stuff for another hour, but I just realized I was like thinking we had like another 10 minutes and I'm like, oh, it's already two o'clock. I know. Can you believe it's already at the top of the hour? Yeah. Right. So yeah, I shouldn't say two o'clock because it's not two o'clock for you and probably for half the people listening, it's already top of the hour. So good way to say it. Um, But if there was anybody who quick hit a question that um, we have not addressed, I think that I've already read the comments that were on there. Um, I do want to, I will look again right at the end to see if I missed anything, but I want to thank you, Gwen, for um, all of this. And oh, good, Gwen put... um, I was going to say, I've got one of those little, um, it's sort of like a link tree, and it's got all of my links. It's got the, if you want to check out the podcast, um, if you want to, um, I've got something that I just developed and I'm really excited about and haven't really even launched yet um, to the public, but it's the Quiet Leaders Success Kit. So you can beta that if you like. Awesome. Um, and and, yeah, have, and if you're interested that- in, in niche, um, I actually took your niche gates and put them through. So I will send that to you, Kathy. Um, But yeah, if you're interested in quantum niche design, get in touch with me. I'm actually going to do a free workshop coming up. So, okay. So with me, if you can put that info in the human, in the intuitive human design group, I definitely will um, comments on this and you can see anybody else who wants to connect with you can do there. But every week we tell these stories, you know, where people let us know how human design has helped them. Gwen shared her story graciously, and we've had many guests. And if you're ready to tell a better story of who you are and want to work with Gwen or myself, um, you know, reach out. You can contact me through my website, kathybashanko.com, or through this Facebook group. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, you can comment here. And um, we'll have Gwen's comments in the, the notes. So, and 
everybody, thank you for joining us and we, we will have a great, everybody have a great day.